On behalf of Copeland Financial Ministries, I would like to welcome you to the Advanced Biblically-Based Estate Planning Workshop Series. The presenter, Tom Copeland, is a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ who has been called to teach God's Word on finances since 1982. Tom is a chartered professional accountant and the founder and president of Copeland Financial Ministries. Now, here's Tom teaching what the Bible says on estate planning. I'd like to welcome you to the Advanced Biblically Based Estate Planning Workshop. This is session number eight. This is a summary of everything that we've talked about over the past uh, uh, seven weeks. And uh, I think you'll find this uh, overview very, very helpful. The first thing we've got to remember is that we're a steward of what God's entrusted to us. God is the owner. If you forget everything else that you've gone, heard in this workshop, if you just remember that, um, that applies to how you manage your money monthly. It applies to when you go to do your estate plan. It applies to everything. Uh, we're not the owner. God is. Um, Haggai 2.8 says, The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. Back at that time, silver and gold were used as money, so God's saying the money is his. It's all his. We're just managing it for the short period of time we're here on earth. If you remember what Paul said in 1 Timothy 6, we brought nothing into this world, and we shall take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. A split second after we die, we'll realize that we were just a steward, a manager of what God had entrusted to us while we were here on earth. And um, suddenly it's, it's gone. Some estate planning principles. Your assets belong to God, and you are a steward of them. As stewards, we must consult the Lord for his wisdom and his specific direction. I, I love James 1.5. I, I, I quote it often, and I pray it often. If any of us lack wisdom, and we all lack wisdom, we don't know the future. Um, when you do your estate plan, you don't know what's going to happen after you die. You don't know how, what the reaction is going to be amongst your kids and your heirs, whether there's going to be any tension or stress or arguments, which are so common. But you know God does, and God knows where the sensitive areas are. And if we pray and ask him for wisdom and direction, he'll, uh, he'll give it to us. And that applies to all areas of finances. Psalms 25:12 is clear. Who then is the man who fears the, the Lord? God will instruct him the way chosen for him. Some estate planning principles. God wants us to leave an inheritance. That's assets, not debts. Proverbs 13.22 says a good person leaves an inheritance for their children. And the implication here is for their children's children, that they leave it for their kids and even their grandkids as well. I want to talk about this for a minute. In our day and age here, especially today in this country and many countries around the world, easy credit, credit cards, personal lines of credit, 0% um, financing on cars, you know, the retailer incentives don't pay a cent for two years. They all entice us to borrow and get into debt. They all entice us to borrow and get into debt. The other uh, biblical principle I want to say is um, often parents believe that after they both died, they must allocate their, they must allocate, see the focus on that? Their assets equally amongst their kids, regardless of how they manage money. There's a feeling is we got three kids, we must, and two manage money well, one squanders money, but in order to be fair, to be fair, we have to give the one that squanders money their one-third share, and if they squander it after we die, uh, so be it. They squander it after we die. That's not good stewardship, and that's not consistent with Scripture. I'm just trying to break that psychology. For many families, you'll end up allocating a third to each child and maybe use a trust or annuity so they can't squander it. Or it's actually biblical to consider actually giving them less. If you look at the parable of the talents, the master who was God, and who knows more and who's more wiser than God, uh, he entrusted more to those servants who were faithful in managing money. Uh, well, the servant who was unfaithful, the master took what he had away. And if you remember, that was the one where the master left 
He gave five talents to one servant, two to another, uh, one talent to a third. After a long time, the scripture says, perhaps a lifetime, the master returned and he made the servants accountable. By the way, accountable for everything that they had, not just 10%. We will stand before the Lord as Christians even and be accountable. I think of Romans uh, 14, 12, so then each of us will give account of ourselves to God. And the question is this, what did you do with what God entrusted to you? First, Timothy, uh, First Corinthians 4, 2 says, now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. Faithfulness to God is the key. And as parents, you've got to look at your, your, the assets God's given you as you plan your estate. You love your kids. You can, I like what Ron Blue says, you love them equally, but you treat them uniquely. And if one child squanders money, for sure you want to use a trust or annuity to protect them from their own bad decisions. You probably even want to warn them beforehand, hey, we might even give you less because you're a bad money manager. That might get enough of their interest to make some, make some changes. We'll talk about more later, but certainly if you have a child, you've got three kids and one's disabled and unable to work, I think it's clear, 1 Timothy 5.8, if one does not provide for the needs of their own family, they're worse than an unbeliever. You need to consider allocating more to that uh, one who is disabled and un unable to work. So carrying on here, we've talked about um, these. So we, you have to consider the money management of your kids. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much, Jesus said. So often I sit down with parents and I say, the way your kids are managing their money today is the way they're going to manage your money, the money that you give to them after, after you die. And so often they'll think, oh, no, no, we've worked really hard. They know how hard we work for this, and they know that this is a gift from mom and dad. They're going to manage it better. No, they're not. Um, because they're going to take the same thinking, the same mindset, and apply it to a big chunk of money, an inheritance that they get. And I've seen so many inheritances in the last 40 years squandered within three to five years. It takes mom and dad 50, 60 years to accumulate stuff. The kids, um, the adult kids squander it if they're bad money managers. And uh, they actually end up in worse trouble because they raise their lifestyle well, well they have the income, and then, and then boom, they're in trouble. So in prayer, seek... Um, so here's some initial steps. In prayer, seek God's wisdom and, and counsel and get his direction. First, seek the counsel of the Lord. Always uh, go to God and pray as you're, you're planning your estate. Study what God's word says on estate planning. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. You can read, uh, you know, maybe 10, 20 scriptures on estate planning. If you're not sure what they are, go back through this, uh, this series. And uh, God can speak to you through his word. He can highlight one or two scriptures, and that can be the Lord through his spirit speaking to you and, and directing you, hey, this is the, the direction you should go. Seek godly counsel, particularly with respect to the allocation of, of, of your assets. You're not going to get biblically-based financial advice from a non-believer, and sometimes you won't even get it from a believer unless they understand God's word on finances. And a non-believer is not going to understand your desire to give to God's work while you're living and give to God's work pursuant to your will. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. They're not going to get that. They don't have an eternal perspective. Develop a close relationship with the Lord so you can recognize God's voice. Remember 1 Kings 19, God will often speak to us by way of a gentle whisper. And be able to discern what God wants you to do. And be sure to obtain God's peace before you make any major decision. Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. As you pray and as you seek God's direction with respect to state planning or even any financial plan that you're doing, Wait until you get God's peace, but don't, don't procrastinate. Don't also, don't also try to, as I mentioned before, have the perfect... Uh, the perfect estate plan and the perfect will to try to account for everything. 
Consider the use of trust and annuities. They can be effectively utilized in developing a biblically-based estate plan, especially where one of your beneficiaries mismanages money. We, we talked about or if they're incapable, if they're disabled. Uh, that's another way to do it. It can be set up pursuant to your will. It's not hard to set up a trust pursuant to your will. Guardians, I don't know how many young people I've spoke to have kids under 18 years of age and they haven't done a will. That is so dangerous. That's actually bad stewardship of your kids. Uh, I don't mean to be mean, but that's bad stewardship. If you die and your kids are under 18, the government will decide who's going to raise those kids. So you, you need to have a will to at least to cover that off as well as some of these other things we're talking about. When someone dies, these, a testamentary trust is automatically um, created. Uh, intervivalist trust, the word intervivalist means while living, and that can be used, including an alter ego trust. We talked about that some, a little while before. An alter ego can only be used by someone 65 up. These trusts can be used very effectively. Uh, if someone is deteriorating, if you have a parent, or if yourself, or you have a, say you have a parent that's deteriorating, they got dementia, and then maybe they got a form, first forms of Alzheimer's, a trust can be used very effectively to protect those assets, to ensure that the person with dementia doesn't, doesn't squander them, because they can make a lot of bad mistakes, or to make sure that, um, that a gold digger, that somebody doesn't come along and try to get their money. I got a call from, a, actually, an interesting, uh, an accountant just uh, last week, and um, he's got a client where the husband died, the wife's, uh, I guess, 75, and, and it's working the other way now. It's usually an, a younger woman going after an older man. In this case, it's a younger man going after an older woman. And he's already borrowed money from her twice. Of course, people come and they ask, make it a loan to make it sound good. He's borrowed money from her twice. She hasn't paid it back. And uh, he's now asking for more money. Clearly, he's, this, this guy is very likely a gold digger and looking after money. So it's, uh, and, and the mother's starting to get dementia. And often people, as they get older, they don't think clearly. And that's where, I, unfortunately, the adult kids do need to step in and help out. Not for your, just not for your selfish reasons, but for protection of your, your parents and protection of the assets that they've, uh, that they've built up over the years. So the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Uh, some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs, if you look at um, that scripture. Just, sometimes these people are even Christians, unfortunately. So just watch for that. In session two, uh, here's a summary. Always seek God's wisdom and specific direction. Consider using a trust or annuity for minor beneficiaries or those who mismanage money. So do whatever you can. This is another one. As you plan your estate, do whatever you can to minimize disputes. I think of a case um, a few years ago where dad had loaned some money. They had three kids. Dad loaned some money to one kid. And then after dad died, they, the other two siblings said, well, that, I think it was a $50,000 loan. That, that was an advance on your share of the estate, so that gets deducted. And she said, no, that was a gift. That was a forgivable loan. And, and it was never documented. Dad never communicated. The moment had already gone. Dad never communicated. And I'll tell you, they've already used over $50,000 in their legal battle in the last four or five years. They've already used it. Uh, they've used at least 25000 each, fighting over that fifty grand. Maybe they're up. That was the last time I heard the bill. They're still fighting. And total... And so things like that, if you've loaned money to one of your kids, make it clear in your will, is that a forgivable loan? In other words, it, or is it an advance on the, their portion of the estate? Does that get deducted from their portion of the estate? Make it clear and also communicate that to your kids so they, they understand as well. When things are ambiguous, you can get into uh, lots of disputes.
One of the things we talked about in session four was financial planning and saving for retirement. If you don't plan your finances and save for retirement, then estate planning becomes academic. And planning ahead, planning, saving for retirement, saving for kids' education, and, and planning even your estate. One thing we all know is that we're, we're going to die. And, uh, and you know you're not going to take it with you. But planning ahead is really important. The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. Most people in this country and even around the world fall into the foolish category. They spend all their regular income. They have no savings. And one of the keys about that, if you spend everything you earn and you have no savings, you're not going to be able to pay down debt. So eventually you're going to get older and you're going to have all this debt that's going to prevent you from, from retiring. Or if you do retire, you're going to have all kinds of financial problems in retirement. And then you're going to leave debt to your kids, which is, you look at scripture, generally speaking, debt's considered to be a curse, not a, not a blessing. And, uh, and it's, it's a burden. Let me tell you, I've seen people with estates, even when there's, there's, there's mortgages on homes and there's other debts. Uh, in this country, after somebody dies, the estate assets are tied up for about six months till the will's probated. It can be a real hassle each time going to the bank to get their approval to pay for some debts. It can be a real hassle. I've seen it. Um, and, and real major things, they usually will do it, but the, the bank wants to protect themselves to make sure you're the, the executor and make sure that, uh, that, that it's a proper will and it is the last will. And the only way they protect themselves is they wait till the will probates. And that often takes uh, six, eight months, sometimes a year. It can take a while. So we need to, we need to plan ahead. And that's one of the keys about uh, financial planning and how do you do that? The middle thing there, you develop and implement a budget to ensure you have sufficient monthly surplus. I'm going to just talk about this for a minute. Managing your monthly cash flow is really critical. If you don't do that right, you won't achieve any, you just won't achieve a lot of things. Uh, if you're spending all your income and not saving, um, you, need, you need to spend less than you earn and have a surplus each month uh, to pay down debt and save for future needs. It's that simple. Have a surplus each month, pay down debt, save for future needs. Most people are not doing that. And if you don't do that, you're going to end up in all kinds of financial problems later, and you'll even leave a financial mess uh, for, your, for your heirs after you, after you go, if you keep, uh, keep going. I talked about the Copeland budgeting system. If you go to our website, copelandfinancialministries.org, it can be downloaded, and you can, um, you can get it, and it can help you uh, manage your monthly cash flow. We talked about giving in Session 5. Although it's biblical to save for future needs, uh, don't accumulate significantly more than you need to. In the parable of the rich fool, that's uh, Luke chapter 12. Remember that guy? God blessed him with a huge crop one year. And uh, instead of looking up and saying, Lord, what do you want me to do with this blessing? Which obviously part of that would have been giving it to God's work. No question about it. Instead, what he said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down my barns. I'm going to build bigger ones. And I'm going to save this all up for me. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. That, the, the problem was not that the, the guy was, had wealth. That's not an issue. It's not wrong to have wealth. The problem was he trusted in his wealth, and when God blessed him, he didn't look up above and say, Lord, what do you want me to do with this and invest some of this in the kingdom of God? Remember, when you invest money in God's kingdom, that's the only way to, to, to take money and material things that's, that's, that's temporary and convert it into something of an eternal nature. That's the only way. We brought nothing into this world, we shall take nothing out of it. Material things are going to disappear. But as we invest in God's word, remember, if you, you sacrifice uh, buying something or getting something, you invest it with an with a appropriate ministry. Uh, it can be your church, it can be a parachurch organization. And if just one person comes to know Christ, 
a thousand years from now, a million years from now, that means something. The material things we buy, they'll be worn out in five or 10, 15 years, and they'll disappear a split second after we, after we leave this earth. Why do some giving while you're living? I do encourage people to consider giving while you're living. Certainly make sure you got enough for retirement. We showed the calculations when we did session five. But what's, what are some of the benefits of doing giving while you're living? Assets given pursued your will don't require personal sacrifice. God will also bless uh, generous givers currently. Notice what Jesus said, given it shall be given to you. It's in the present tense. And God promises eternal rewards to those who give generously while they're on earth. 1 Timothy 6, command them to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. There will be treasures in heaven or there will be lack of treasures in heaven, depending upon what we do with the money and material things that God's entrusted to us while we're here on earth. I like what Ron Blue says, and I didn't put it in the slang term, but he says, do your giving while you're living so you know where it's going. And, um, and that's, there's a lot of merit in doing that, especially as you get older in life and you, you realize your time gets shorter. Do some calculations, see if you have enough for retirement. And if you have a surplus, remember those examples we went through, uh, do consider doing some, giving out of some of, the, some of the capital. Certainly help your kids out where there, where there are needs. Nothing, nothing wrong with that. And... Um, let me go on to the next one. This is an important one. Transfer wisdom before you transfer wealth. I've seen so many cases where, where mom and dad die and kids get a, a significant amount of money. And if they haven't been trained and they don't un understand how to manage money God's way, the odds are they're likely going to mismanage it and, and not use it very wisely at all. Of what use is money in the hand of a fool since he has no desire to get wisdom? You can have people, I've seen this over and over again, that are very intelligent, very educated, but when it comes to money, they're foolish. I don't mean to be mean, but they're foolish. They don't understand God's word, they don't understand the principles, and they're not applying them. Don't bail, if your children mismanage money and they're constantly getting into trouble, you might bail them out once, but don't bail them out regularly. If you do, you'll enable them to continue to, to mismanage money. I think of a call I had about uh, 15 years ago from a lady, she was in tears. Her and her husband had just lost a GIC that was a major chunk of their, their retirement fund, and they were both retired. And the story she told me was really sad. Over the past 20 years, she and her husband had continuously bailed out their adult son uh, and his wife from all the trouble that they got in financially. And then uh, the only way they could get a house is if mom and dad co-signed on the loan. Uh, Proverbs 11.15 says, it's a dangerous thing to guarantee payment for someone else's debts. Don't do it. Long and the short of it, this couple lost a huge portion of their retirement fund and ended up suffering significantly in retirement because they kept bailing out their, their adult son. They should have stopped many years ago and let them suffer the consequences. That's tough love. They bailed them out and then they ended up suffering. Literally, literally the, the son and, his, and, the, and the wife bankrupt the parents. And I've seen that happen. Don't let that happen to you. And don't you do that on your parents either if you're continuing to, to borrow money. Because if someone's unfaithful with a little thing, they'll be unfaithful with much. And if they're unrighteous with a small thing, they'll be unrighteous with much. If the kids are not managing money God's way right now, they're not going to manage a lot of money when they get it, get it later. So leaving large estates to kids can ruin their lives. I've seen this. Enables laziness, selfishness, lack of perseverance. Think of one very successful entrepreneur who had a lot of money. He decided he's at his will. He's giving away 90% of his income. The other 10% goes amongst his three kids. Now that 10% is still quite a bit of money, more than most people would get, but that's pretty commendable that he would do that. Because he said, listen, I started with nothing, I had to work hard. I don't want to make it so that they got it too easy and they don't have to work. They don't have to trust God. Uh, I don't want them uh, 
uh, just depending and trusting in money and material things. Remember, it's all God's money, and as a steward, uh, we need to be sure to do God's will. Consider uh, giving uh, generously to God's work while you're alive, and then uh, allocate a significant portion of the Lord's work on, uh, pursuant to your will. I do believe there will be rewards in heaven, maybe uh, when, when you take the time to allocate a chunk of your estate to God's work. Uh, remember, 85% of all Christians don't do it, yet most of them, when they've been, when they've been asked, said they would. If they knew that they could and they should. Most people just don't think about allocating a portion of their assets to the Lord's work pursuant to their will. No one's ever taught them or, or told them about it. And don't feel you have to give equal amounts. So what, uh, what abilities should, should you be assessing? And can you think of circumstances, here's a question for you, that merit giving, different, give, giving your children different amounts of money? We've touched on this in previous sessions. Can you think of a circumstance that would merit um, giving your children different amounts of money pursuant to your will? Any comments? Couple of couple of times is the disabled child mm -hmm. who you need to have a trust fund set up for to ensure that they have continued income uh, after you die. Excellent. Yep. That's absolutely. First Timothy five eight says if one does not provide for the needs of their own family, they're worse than an unbeliever. That's a pretty powerful scripture. And so if you have a disabled child that legitimately cannot work, I think you need to uh, allocate probably probably going to be more to them than the other kids. To, to look after their needs. Another example you had given a few weeks ago was, a fam um, was one um, son out of, I think, three or four who was in the ministry and was a missionary yeah. in another country and lived off of uh, um, donations from other people. Excellent, yep. Allocating a portion of your estate to the missions organization that one of your kids is involved in or the charity, could be a church as well. That, uh, that's a good one, and, and you, get a, you get a big tax. Uh, you'll save about 50% tax on the donation. Go ahead. If you're giving less to one of your children than the others because of mismanagement, do you think it would be wise to tell them only and not the other ones so that they're not embarrassed? Well, that's, yeah, sure. I, I think telling the one that you're planning to give less to is, is a good idea. Many parents will tell everybody, but that's a good point. I agree with that. I agree with that. That makes sense. Makes sense. Okay, these are uh, good answers. Uh, thank you very much. Here's what I had, that one child may have greater legitimate needs, that was mentioned. Another child could be a terrible money manager, consider allocating less or other options, the trust or the annuity. Another child could be in full-time ministry, that was mentioned, and another child, if a child's managing money God's way, I think that should be rewarded. That's the essence of the parable of the talents and also the parable of the ten minas in Luke chapter 19. So ask God to reveal to you through prayer, through his word, his spirit, through godly advisors as to what God wants you to do uh, in allocating the assets that he's entrusted to you. Discerning God's will in complex situations. Often doing estate planning can be very complicated and we need to discern God's will because there can be several options within the biblical guidelines and God has promised to direct us. I'm going to go through these quickly because we talked about them early. Just what, what are the, how do you discern God's will in a complex situation? Remember, acknowledge you're a steward of God's resources. Pray and ask God for his wisdom, as always. Study the scriptures that apply to estate planning. Allow God through his spirit and his word to speak to you. Confess and repent of any known sin. Uh, sin acts as a roadblock to really hearing God. If, if, you got, if there's major sin in your life and you haven't confessed it to the Lord uh, and repented, then you're, you're not likely going to hear from the Lord. I mean, uh, if you look at Isaiah 59, it says, uh, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save or his ear too dull to hear. But your inequities, your sin, your inequities have separated you from your God and your sins have hidden his face from you that he will not listen. 
So we, we, we want to make sure, and we all know 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So obtain biblical counsel, uh, develop and maintain the relationship with the Lord, and be careful of ex external pressure. Remember, the money that you've been entrusted with, it's not your money, it's not your kid's money, it's, it's, it's God's money. So just uh, be careful of the external pressure. Develop a budget to ensure that you, you and your spouse, if you're married, need to have uh, what you need to live on for the rest of your life. And look for consistent direction. Number nine is really important. Don't, I see how so often people pray about it and then they sense the Lord directing them in, in a certain way, but they haven't searched the scripture. They can't hang their decision on a, on a scripture. They haven't obtained any biblical counsel. They haven't given it enough time to experience God's peace. So you need direction on complex decisions from more than one source and, and for a season of time. Sometimes planning your estate can take two, three months, four months. Um, but but don't, don't quit. Uh, follow through and make sure it's happening. And once you discern what God wants you to do, you're going to experience God's peace. As Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I, I give you. Have your parents developed a biblically-based estate plan? Over the next 15 years, lots of kids are going to find themselves. A lot of you here are going to find where you're in a situation where you're the executor or benefit, beneficiary of your parents' estate. If nothing's done, there's likely going to be lots of problems. I'd say with the estates where there hasn't been biblically-based estate planning, about 70 to 80% of the time, there are arguments and disputes amongst the, the siblings and the heirs afterwards. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's just so common. I'd say about 20% of the time, 25, there's legal, threatened legal suits. Somebody goes and sees a lawyer. And uh, even if you're in a situation and you've got a dispute with a sibling over your parents' estate, don't go see the lawyer. Go talk to your sibling. Work it out with them. Follow Matthew 18. Bring a brother in the Lord along the second time if it doesn't work. Uh, as soon as you go to see a lawyer, they're going to get a lawyer. The thing's going to drag out for a long time, and the lawyers will get a big chunk of the money. And it's not biblical for Christians. Uh, you look at either 1 Corinthians 6 or 2 Corinthians 6. It's not biblical for Christians to uh, sue each other. So um, it's, it's not a good testimony. Here's some ideas to convince your parents to do some uh, biblically-based estate planning. Significant taxes can be saved. Most parents are interested in that. Uh, there's a risk of disputes amongst their children and other heirs can be substantially reduced if you do some biblically-based estate planning. That's usually of great interest to parents. They don't want that. Uh, many legal and other complexities can be avoided with the preparation and signing of proper wills. The work for the executor can be substantially reduced and simplified with a proper estate plan. And, and with your parents, if they're Christians, remind them that their, their will is their last act of stewardship and important in terms of uh, saving. And in session number seven, we looked at the comprehensive case studies. If you remember, that was Jack and Jill. They had five adult sons, very different circumstances. And we looked at biblically-based advice in each case. Here's, um, I, here's the recommended follow-up. Uh, review your hard copy uh, of all eight sessions. I'd encourage you to do that. And before you see the lawyer, you prepare a memo of instructions of what you want in your will. It's not the lawyer's job to decide what should go in your will. It's your job. And it, you're the steward of that, those assets. He isn't. He or she is just, just taking your instructions and, and preparing the will. Okay, I'm going to close in prayer. Father, we thank you that your word says so much on every area of finance, uh, including estate planning. And Father, um, I just pray that through your word and your spirit, you would touch the hearts of the individuals here and cause them to follow up and uh, develop and implement a biblically-based estate plan. And just also, just in general, learn to manage money better according to your principles, Lord. Just guide and direct all of us, Lord. We, we all need your wisdom and direction. In Jesus' name, amen.
Tom's Financial Moments are aired on numerous radio and TV stations. For more information, check out copelandfinancialministries.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter under Bible Finance.